Hi, I'm Victor Milligan, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And joining me on the phone from Singapore is Forrester Vice President and Research Director Fred Giron to discuss where we are with business platforms in Asia. Welcome, Fred. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Fred, let's start at a definitional state. Why is a business platform a big thing and why is it different than any other industry ecosystem that's formed or distribution channels that are formed? What's different about a business platform? Yeah, I think that fundamentally, if you look at the definition of a a business platform, it's the the two-way relationship, right? It's it's, uh, uh, being able to create a common technical foundation on which both customers and suppliers are going to uh, interact, exchange data, exchange uh, information, or, or you know, because they are participating on this particular uh, platform, they are going to extend the value of this platform for the customer through their contributions as well. Are business platforms a byproduct of a digital capability, or they exist in an analog state as well? Or did something happen to the ramping up of digital that made business platforms either more effective, more viable, or simply more more capable? You, we probably need to look at some of the um, uh, big names in terms of uh, uh, business platforms in order to to understand why they are so important and so powerful. So. I guess that you know one name that comes to mind is Amazon, right? Which is probably seen as uh, by many as the ultimate uh, business platform. Uh, in Asia, we also have a number of uh, of the big names in China, like Alibaba and Tencent and others uh, that are you know, that have been a, a really good at not only creating business platforms but also expanding their value proposition. Uh, to the adjacent possible. Uh, if you look at Alibaba, for instance, they started in an e-commerce space pretty much like uh, like uh, Amazon and then went into payments, and now we are seeing them uh, into insurance. And, and recently, more recently, they went into healthcare. They are trying to create a platform business uh, assembling an ecosystem of healthcare uh, providers. And I think one of the reasons they were able to do that is because uh, they assembled uh, the technology foundation that we were talking about, uh, but also they were uh, able to um, really, you know, capture data, capture insights about their customers uh, and use that insights to think about the the next iteration, the next iteration of the platform business strategy and and the adjacent possible where they could bring additional value to their customers, right? And because they they had this trust, they earned the trust and they earned the investment of uh, their customers, uh, their customers followed them uh, to the next iteration. So they followed them from commerce to payments, from payments to uh, insurance and, and so on and so on. So I think, you know, the power of this platform business model is, uh, you know, enabling uh, the network effect that, that we're talking about. But at the core, it's being able to gain massive amount of cap of, of what I would call the, the behavioral capital, right? The, the customer insights, uh, the data about the behaviors of the customers and, and arm with that understanding of what customers want, they are able to think about the, the next iteration and, and the next 
set of value proposition or customer journeys that uh, they are going to serve uh, for their customers. Yeah, it strikes me that there's a, a cut being made here, which is you could look at a bank as a participant in a known industry, and that industry has known products, so most banks do kind of the same thing. Or I could look at it as a, a bank provides financial services to a lifestyle, and that lifestyle starts in the morning and ends in the night, whatever it is, and it could span a whole bunch of different things, which brings the bank into different industries because it's simply mirroring the lifestyle and, as you say, the journeys of the customers. It seems like there's a different way of orienting the, the purpose of the business to lifestyle versus to sort of traditional industry lines. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's exactly what banks are trying to do, uh, especially here in Singapore. If you look at uh, banks like DBS, uh, they have been dabbling around. I mean, dabbling on this this idea of uh, leaving more and banking less, or making banking invisible uh, for the customers, uh, with I guess the recognition that and the realization that customers don't wake up in the morning thinking about buying. A payment or buying in transactions, right? They, they think about uh, different uh, moments, different life um, uh, goals um, that might involve a bank uh, or a, a payment transaction, but fundamentally we, we don't leave to, to make uh, payments, right? Uh, we leave to, to experience uh, things, uh, to enjoy uh, the lifestyle that you are talking about, right? So I think banks by moving, trying to move closer to the, the fundamental needs and desires of the customers, right? They are, they are trying to uh, become more relevant uh, to their customers. So part of the concern raised by banks, especially due to open banking, is that for some banks that don't connect to the customer well, they'll end up being kind of an unintentional utility. They'll sort of be a great transaction machine and will be hidden from the customer. And so in the way you're describing it, the, the bank is going to do that, but it also has to be create a relevance to the customer. The customer has to be aware of it for it not to end up just being utility. How are banks branding themselves or connecting themselves to human beings in that different role that they might play? Yeah, and it's interesting because we, we had um, uh, a roundtable a few weeks ago with some of the, 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 the key uh, digital the head of digital for uh, for some of the retail banks here in Singapore and in, in the region, um, and we were uh, brainstorming, you know, and exchanging ideas about what platform businesses are uh, and what it takes basically to to build these uh, these platform business models, right? Um, and I think we we zeroed in on on. Um, uh, a three-layer type of architecture, if you wish. Uh, the fundamental layer, I mean, the base layer is, is going to be the, the technology platform that I was talking about, right? So uh, we know, you know, some of the building bricks that will be necessary to build uh, this technology foundation around cloud, microservices, application programming interface, the um, APIs uh, that are so critical to the open banking um, and then on top of that, uh, you have the, the business uh, platform. And that's where these different value exchanges will uh, happen in between uh, the bank that might be the owner of the platform and the different suppliers, right, the different uh, platform participants. Uh, but I think there's also, on top of that, a third layer uh, that 
banks, at least in, in the region, are, are starting to uh, understand and, and try to crystallize, which is the relationship platform, right? Because when you think about uh, the bank that is moving from or, or extending their value proposition from the traditional value propositions that, they are, that their customers know them for to other value proposition around entertainment or around uh, the automotive industry or the real estate industry and, and so on and so on, you, you got, they, the banks need to almost reinvent uh, the narrative that they will use in order to earn uh, the permission uh, from their customers to, to move to the adjacent possible. So I think, uh, you know, from a branding perspective, uh, I'm expecting the banks to do a lot more work uh, trying to build these new relationships uh, that, uh, that will uh, be enabled or that will be enabling, sorry, uh, uh, the, the, these additional value proposition in the future. So, you know, DBS Marketplace or Krunk Sri in Thailand, these are different kinds of, of opportunities. Could you describe what they look like, what kind of services they're offering and either, in this case, Singapore or Thailand? Yeah, so from a DBS perspective, um, what DBS is trying to do is to, uh, and, and again, a lot of these initiatives are still uh, experimentation. Right? DBS is experimenting in the uh, utility space because there's a, a deregulation of the electricity market here uh, in Singapore, and they're trying to uh, create a marketplace around this, this particular opportunity. Uh, they are also moving into real estate. So they, they are different experiments, right? Again, I think it's still very, very early days for banks in the region. Uh, you, you, you have uh, OCBC, which is another bank here uh, in Singapore that is also moving into real estate with their one advisor platform where they're trying to transform the customer journey around home ownership. Uh, another example from uh, OCBC would be uh, their e-commerce marketplace called Moms Truly, which is trying to assemble an ecosystem around parenthood. So not only uh, selling uh, products uh, and somehow, you know, financial services as well, uh, but uh, also services related to, uh, for instance, lactation consultants. I mean, whatever, uh, you know, things a, a new mother or a new father could, could need in terms of, of products to uh, uh, and, and services to take care of their newborn child, basically, right? In the, in the, the Thailand example, the country uh, consumer example uh, is, a, is a little bit different in the sense that uh, this is the credit card unit of our country bank in Thailand. And what they are trying to do is to create a platform in order to monetize uh, the massive amount of customer data that they have uh, uh, assembled, basically, um, uh, and uh, almost, you know, creating a, a data management platform or a customer data platform to uh, uh, create additional services, marketing-related services to, uh, for merchants, basically, in a, in a, in a B2B type of way. Uh, so you, you have very different examples or initiatives that banks are trying to uh, test and experiment with. Again, I think focusing on, on the business platform that I was talking about, as well as the relationship platform.
And do you think that this is a an offshoot of open banking? I understand the Monetary Authority of Singapore is not mandating open banking in the same way that PSD2 in Europe, but nonetheless sort of encouraging it. Is this due to simply that opportunity set? Is there something about defending itself against some of the larger players from China, like Alibaba, Tencent, and Baidu, or others? What is causing all of this energy at once? Yeah, so I think it, uh, in Singapore, per se, uh, if, you, if you look uh, at Singapore, there's been a, a change in the regulatory environment uh, last year, uh, about a year ago in July 2017, uh, where um, the uh, the anti commingling law was repealed, which means that, in essence, uh, the banks are now allowed to invest in non financial services uh, uh, related ventures. Right, so I, I think that opens a number of opportunities for banks, and I think the, the drivers for all of these experimentation is trying to think about uh, first of all, how do we create um, new pies, right? And if you look at, especially at Singapore, uh, Singapore is a relatively saturated market from a financial services perspective, especially in terms of retail banking, right? So I think that the banks are interested in finding new or creating new pies or, or increasing the, the, the existing uh, uh, pie uh, in order to create this revenue generation uh, new new sources of revenue for for the banks, right? I think there's, there's probably also a a fear in the industry to become a dump a dump pipe, basically, right? Just like in the in the telecom service industry. And then, as you said, there's also uh, looming threats of uh, digital uh, disruptors that are, that could be coming from from China. Uh, but I, I think it's Relatively uh, lower threats here in Singapore, given the fact that uh, the financial services industry feels protected by uh, by the regulation and the regulatory environment. Uh, so I think a lot of these uh, different uh, factors play as uh, as drivers for these uh, initiatives. And I know you said that these are early days. Do you see the evolution of this being either? A Swiss Army knife, which is the platform does many things because a lifestyle has many components to it, or in your example of Mums Truly, that the platform is highly purposed to a specific segment, in this case, uh, parents who will have newborns. Uh, how, how do you see this evolving, or do you see both taking place at the same time? Well, I think it's going to be uh, um, hinging on the ability uh, for the bank to extend the conversation, so creating these new relationships with the, with the customers. Uh, in, in the case of Moms Truly, what I like about this particular initiative is that OCBC started uh, focusing on, on the parenthood because they have a very strong um, offering or very strong penetration in uh, the child's um, uh, saving accounts, basically. So they almost had this uh, legitimacy, if you wish, right? Starting from the uh, position of strength and building on that position of strength to actually add uh, other uh, services and, and earn that permission from their customers that, that, that I was talking about earlier. So it, it, it needs to have um, a business reasoning behind, uh, but also uh, a 
a, a, I would say, a customer journey or a customer value uh, where the uh, the bank has a legitimacy from uh, from in the eyes of their customers, so that they will it will be easier for them to extend the value proposition towards these new uh, new services and, and new platforms. So, as I think about a business platform and the ecosystem that participates in that, you can think of it as a set of peers that jointly enjoy the benefits of the platform. How much are uh, platforms in service of the single bank or how much are they ways that different members of different industries enjoy a, a collective economic benefit? Yeah, and I guess that, that's going to be uh, varying uh, quite a bit from, uh, from industry to industry or customer journey to customer journey. Uh, if you take the example of the, um, the real estate, which is another area where we see a lot of banks uh, starting to create platform businesses, uh, they, they are trying to, you know, change the dynamics uh, where banks uh, traditionally have, have been on the receiving end uh, in these particular transactions where the agents would actually reach out to the bank or the customer would, would actually reach out to the bank to apply for a loan. Um, here, uh, the banks are trying to go a lot more direct in between uh, the bank and the customer or the, the, the property buyer, if you wish. Um, and being much more uh, almost proactive in orchestrating uh, these uh, relationships in between the property buyer, uh, the agent, uh, the bank as, as a loan uh, operator, uh, and also um, the, the rest of the ecosystem that might include a, a mortgage uh, insurance provider, or a you know a mover or you know interior decorator. So I think I think that's that's the um, the way I see these uh, uh, these things spanning out. We had an earlier podcast with with Pascal Mesca, and it was focused on industrial platforms. Um, and in it, one of the one of the subtle but powerful parts of it is data. You know, operates as a currency of the platform, which then begs the question. Who owns the data? Who has rights of the data? Who can monetize the data? And if player A monetize it, does player B, who has never priced it before, have to begin pricing different data because it's going to be monetized by somebody else so they need to enjoy the economic benefit? How do you see some of these practical issues of who owns what, who gets to monetize what? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be uh, out in the, in the horizon in, in most cases, and that's one of the big uh, difficult problems that uh, banks and other platform operators will have to um, to address uh, going forward in terms of how does this value exchange uh, happening uh, in between the different participants of the uh, of this platform? Uh, how do you put a price tag on uh, a data point or on the, an insight? Um, this is something that that are that are still, um, you know, some of the things and the complexities that uh, these platform operators and platform owners need to uh, uh, need to define. Are you concerned that they're kicking the can down the road? Meaning, the big scary thing that could make these uh, non-viable is going to be held to the future, or are you sort of confident that? as these platforms form and people get used to working with each other, that this can be addressed along the way? Because this feels like a, a, a big one. Well, I think that, I mean, what I find interesting in these, um, on these platform businesses and the way banks are approaching this platform business model here in, in, 
in Singapore is really being extremely pragmatic about uh, the fact that these are experiments, right, and that they are learning as they go, right, both in terms of uh, the organizational structure, so how do they assemble the teams that are responsible of, of these new offerings or new, new products, in a sense, uh, but also uh, the, the skill sets and the new roles that need to be uh, brought to bear in terms of managing, for instance, uh, this ecosystem or orchestrating this ecosystem and the, and the different value exchanges. So uh, they are approaching it with, with a very... Um, you know, sound uh, mindset of, of testing and learning and, and experimenting. So I think the responses around how to deal with these complexities will will probably surface in, in due time. But um, I, I, I think they, they are approaching it with, a, with the right mindset. Forrester put out a future of payments forecast. And in that, part of the discussion centered around reward programs. So you would have or accumulate different points with Qantas, different points with a bank, different points with a retailer. And often those points are locked in with, you know, each each provider so that the consumer has a tough time fully monetizing or fully redeeming those points. If those points could find a common currency, could be traded among those players, consumers would get, garner substantially more benefit but then you behind the scenes is a very complex sort of currency exchange among different kinds of points with different kinds of values. Do you see platforms solving parts of that problem or pursuing that opportunity? Yeah, I think you're going to see um, in uh, in different initiatives uh, like uh, OCBC is, is building this uh, loyalty coalition. They recently announced that uh, they're partnering with a telecom service provider, StarHub, uh, an insurance carrier, an airline, uh, a, a large retailer as well. So and, and that's one of the examples, and they are building a platform. And I think that's where uh, this loyalty coalition is trying to go, is to not only being able to exchange data and obviously for, with, a, with a, uh, a respect to the privacy and, and, uh, and, the, and the regulatory environment, which is very strict here in Singapore, uh, but also starting to think about what could be uh, the models uh, that, that can be created around enabling this uh, cross vertical or cross uh, you know type of uh, uh, customer spending uh, loyalty program that gives this uh, this flexibility and this value to uh, to the customers and participants of these loyalty programs. So, Fred, five years from now. You have banks offering non-traditional services. You have commerce platforms like Amazon or Alibaba offering banking services. Five years from now, do industry lines matter at all? Yeah, I think that um, five years from now, or looking into the future, I think what really will matter is how banks or any kind of, of you know, operator within this platform economy um, has uh, a, a strong understanding of the customer data, right? And and what the customers are trying to to do, what are their goals, and how uh, almost uh, these set of, of brands can anticipate uh, the needs 
uh, and the desires of these customers in order to uh, create offerings or, or serve uh, offerings in terms of product and services even before uh, the customers you know realize these uh, these particular moments basically so uh, obviously i don't i don't think the regulatory environment is going to go away uh, and the role of the regulators is, is still will still be be there but but there's an opportunity for uh, banks uh, to reinvent their value proposition and try to um, stitch together a different set of, of value position, including traditional financial product and services, in order to uh, get closer to, uh, to the needs and, and desires of, of these customers. It's a funny thing. It seems like it's the logical extreme outcome of customer experience journey mapping, which is if I tie myself to lifestyle, not, not the way the customer interacts with me, but how customers live their lives, you do see this natural ability to expand your services to the adjacent possibles as you describe them. It seems like there's a certain there's a certain character of this as water flowing downhill here, which is if I tie myself to lifestyle and anchor myself to the customer, these things seem more logical. It's more logical, and I think it's also an, an opportunity for for these uh, players to connect at the emotional level with uh, with the customer. And interestingly. Um, this is, uh, we just released the, the CX index um, survey here in Singapore, and uh, the results are quite poor, right? So, one, because Singaporeans tend to be extremely, have extremely high expectations in terms of quality of service that they expect from, from the brands, but also, I think, because the brands have done, well, they have done a good job at making their services um, easy and effective, they lack this emotional connection, right? Uh, a lot of uh, uh, people that I talk to and, and customer experience uh, leaders that I talk to here in Singapore agree that they still struggle to deliver uh, services and engagement and interactions with a lot of soul, with a lot of heart. Uh, so I think being able to better connect uh, with the lifestyle goals of their customers that gives them an opportunity to fill that void almost that exists here in Singapore and, and creating this emotional connection with, uh, with their customers. Yeah, it's funny. We, we did an assessment here in the U.S. coming also from the CX Index, and it, it was on both direct and multi-channel banks. And it looked at how customers view the bank simply as good at running their business, good at doing the transactions. And most banks scored actually quite well. And then when we measured it based upon do customers feel like their loyalty is being rewarded or do they feel valued as a customer, banks performed poorly. Um, and, you know, we surmise, as you just described, that there's this lack of a human connection um, because if you're, if you're product-centric or transaction-centric, you're, you're not human-centric. And I guess this, this could be one of those bridges you described, but I think that's probably more of a global phenomenon than, than sort of unique to Singapore or unique to Asia. Yes, indeed. So, Fred, you have these banks, OCBC, UOB, DBS, and others, and they're going to build these capabilities that look more like software platforms. They, they have to have significant competencies in data, monetizing data, which is an economic question, being closer to customers. There's a lot of talent that is being inferred here, and you're working in a tight market that's also heavy in some of the technology providers. 
How do these banks angle for talent that is scarce while their ambitions are so uh, significant? Yeah, and that's uh, that's a very very big question uh, for for the, the financial services industry in particular, but for the for the Singapore economy, I would say in uh, in a more generic term. Um, there, there's different ways uh, that banks are uh, solving that particular challenge. Um, one of them is by rescaling their uh, existing um, employee base, basically. So you, you, you will see a lot of banks investing quite heavily into training programs or even innovation programs where uh, the employees are trained on, on you know, agile uh, ways of working on design thinking, human-centered design, uh, also giving them access to hackathons and so on, so on. So there's a very strong focus here uh, to uh, reskill the employee base and, and to make them, um, you know, future ready or, or digital ready in, in a sense, right? And then there's also other um, approaches in terms of, you know, leveraging external service providers uh, and, and consulting capabilities as well. Um, but I think that, you know, Singapore, from a financial services ecosystem, also driven by the work that uh, the Monetary Authority of Singapore is doing, has been quite good at, at attracting uh, an ecosystem of, of startups and, and talents uh, that uh, is, helping the bank uh, prepare for um, the, the future of, of these customer interactions that we're talking about. So, Fred, this is a brave new world of, of how banks go to market and how they, to your point, connect with customers and build a very different and more powerful kind of relationship equity. What does it mean to Singapore, Asia proper, that this phenomenon has taken place? What does it mean to the way banks will evolve and mature? Well, I think fundamentally, if you go back to the three layers uh, that I was talking about, right, the technology platform, the business platform, and the relationship platform, at the core, these platform business model is not going to be just an initiative that is stemming from a hackathon that the technology and operation team has been, um, you know, undergoing or creating, right? It, it's really at the core going to be a collaboration in between the marketing team, um, the, the business uh, teams, and, and the technology team. So it, it is a, a cross-functional effort that needs to happen so that banks can create um, a platform business model that is relevant to, to their own business, but also uh, that is starting to you know, earn uh, the trust and, and, and the investments, the future investments of, of their customers because they are able to create this, this uh, relevancy for, for their customers. Fred, it has been great to talk with you uh, way early in the morning here and way late in the evening there. So appreciate your time and thank you very much. My pleasure, Victor. Thanks a lot. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thank you.